going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tondevold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try to find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This week, we have Sonny Malhotra, owner of Tap House 1637 in California, Maryland. I've known Sonny for a long time, way back when I was booking shows at his old place, the Lounge at Bollywood. It was great talking to him and hearing about the beginnings of Bollywood and the Tap House. We talk about him going to bartending and culinary school while trying to open up the lounge for like the fifth grand opening. His personal goals for both the Tap House and his life outside of it and his drive to give back to the community. Sonny is currently working with his business partner to bring a rec center down to St. Mary's and we talk about how that idea came to be and how he sees it impacting the community. I'll have all the links to the Tap House and Willow's Rec Center in the show notes. Make sure to stop by the Tap House June 29th from 1 until close for Red, White, and Brew. It's going to be a special event dedicated to Jameson Miller, a one-year-old boy living in Southern Maryland with an ultra-rare degenerative neurological disease. I'm not going to pretend like I know how to pronounce this. Uh, but the abbreviation is PKAN, which has no treatment and no cure. A portion of the proceeds will go to the Spoonbill Foundation to support research, clinical trials, and someday find a cure for PKAN. We recorded this at the Tap House, so you may hear some background noise. I did my best to remove it, but don't pay attention to that. Pay attention to the great conversation instead. Last couple episodes, I said I wanted to try something a little new and came up with an idea that is definitely not original, but can still be fun. You guys have all heard me ask guest questions, but if you have questions you want answered for me, please feel free to message me on Facebook, DM me on Instagram, or email me at ambitionradiopodcast at gmail.com. If there's enough good ones, I'll start incorporating it into the intro of the episodes or possibly do a spinoff episode if I get enough. Let's get some good ones. As always, please rate and review on iTunes, follow me on Spotify, and subscribe on Google Play or however you get your podcast. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. Hard enough. You had the, the lounge, and then now you have Tap House. How long have you been in Southern Maryland? I moved here back in 2003 for the first time. And I that's... left in 05. And okay. I told myself two things I'll never do in my life again. Which is leave? Move back to St. Mary's County <laughs> and get in the restaurant business. Ah. So, and then you just dove right into both 2008, of them. I moved back to open up Bollywood. Okay. Yeah. So, the restaurant back in back in 2003 used to be called Curry of India. Mom and dad opened it. Okay. Yep. And that was our first restaurant ever. And then you guys have, you have one in Dahlgren too, right? So, Dahlgren was the one, Dahlgren was, was my older brother. Okay. He ended up closing that one down and re- relocating in La Plata. Okay, so that's okay. So yeah. you don't have the three locations anymore. It's just the two. Just the two. Okay, cool. And the one in La Plata, I go to at least probably once a month, once every other month. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. It's literally five minutes from Is my it house. Really? Yeah, so that's it's awesome. fantastic. Yeah. Um, the food over there is slightly different. I feel. Is it? Yeah, slightly different. I think uh, my brother has kind of taken mom and dad's recipe. And thrown his own twist on them, on some of them at least, if not all. Uh, but it's still good. So, what made you come back first, and then what made you be like, "All right, I guess I might as well join whatever I'm doing over here," and then and keep it going? Uh, so, funny story. 
I when we I ended up working for an AT&T store in Georgetown. Okay. That's when I was that's that, that, that's where I was when the conversation of coming back to St. Mary's County came up. So this was in 07? This was in 07. Okay. Right. I'd worked there, I'd worked in the world of more for like two and a half years after that. I had gone through a really struggle time phase where I was working for two nights and three days straight and then I used to go to sleep on the third night. That's and, insane. Yeah. So I did that for about two and a half months twice in my life and they were like the like that's I'd say that was the hardest time of my life but that was also the time where I have the best stories out of. Right. Because it was the hardest time of my life. So I did all that and then I ended up uh, working at an AT&T store in Georgetown. Okay. For a friend of mine, Ricky. And uh just selling phones at that time yeah, then, yeah. right? Yeah. I was just run, basically running a store for uh at the time. And that was before smartphones. Uh that's when BlackBerry was huge. That's when iPhone yeah. was just getting introduced. I remember the first iPhone being introduced, being launched. And uh, I yeah, so I was in the cell phone industry at that time. Yeah, because I started Verizon in 2010. Yeah. And we didn't have the iPhone, yep. we didn't have anything. We just started with our, kind of our own, um, like the droids and stuff, like yeah. Motorola yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And bl- yeah, Blackberries. I remember having a whole drawer of those trackballs. And they would yep. just come in and replace them. Replace them nonstop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, same thing with us. The only thing I did over there is... Uh, I've always wanted to, like, when I moved to the States, I was working so much that mm-hmm. at that point, like, I was hustling everything, whatever I could get. So when I was running the AT&T store, we were in Georgetown, and every Sunday morning, Saturday morning and Sunday morning was our favorite because we would get nothing but all the kids from Georgetown University oh, yeah, yeah. lost, losing their cell phones over the weekend I'm and coming up and wanting to buy And since we were authorized dealers, and if you were in the contract, because back in the day, it was all about contracts. Right, right? yeah. So back in the day, if you're in a contract, you're paying full retail price for it. So what I started doing was, every day during the week, I would stay and look up phones for sale on Craigslist. Uh, and yeah. I would get off at 7 o'clock, and I would literally do a loop where I would go from D.C. to Northern Virginia and back to Maryland. And I would meet people on the side of the road, in parking lots, in their houses, And I would and just, just buy creepy. phones yeah, that's from funny. everybody. That's funny. And I would make money and I would sell those phones on the weekends to the kids that would uh, lose their phones and stuff. That's funny. So that's how I made a lo- that's how I made a good chunk of money. Okay. Working in Georgetown and stuff. So I still remember so the restaurant that we had back in 2003, we lost that restaurant in part, in, in a bad partnership. My dad mm. lost the restaurant in a bad partnership. Okay. So it came to the point where we were in business on a Sunday. And we Monday we were closed, and we came back on a Tuesday, and we tried to stick the key in, and the key mm. wouldn't fit. Wow! Because the partners had sold everything without telling us, and we did not get a penny out of it. Wow! So overnight we had lost three of us: me and my dad, my mom. We were out of a job, and we had lost all the money we'd invested for two and a half years in the business. Wow! And because we didn't all the, like it was just it was just a bad 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 time. Right, 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 and bad situation. So I that's why I'd sworn off of St. Mary's County. And the yeah, I mean, that, that would definitely do it. So did your parents move here from India? So they or? moved here from India in 2001. Okay. So they were here two years before I moved here. I moved here in 2003. And why St. Mary's? So they did not move here first. Okay, they moved, I hope not. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> they moved... Uh, they moved. That was uh, before we had a Target. 2001? Yeah. I would not know. Yeah, 2003, I think, is when we got the Target. Yeah. So that, yeah, anyway. So 2001, they moved here. They were living in Silver Spring, close to D.C. area. Okay, okay. And uh, doing odd end jobs. Mm-hmm. So dad, the old, 
motivation to move to the U.S. was dad had been in cabinet hardware industry for 28 years of his life. Okay. And he was a manufacturer and exporter, and he would export to countries like Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, United States, and so on and so forth. And then twice in his life, in his career, he suffered huge losses based on the buyers and manufacturing issues. So dad came to a point in his life where he was like, I'm done with having buyers. I'm going to move to the States. I'm going to set up my own retail stores and I will be my own buyer. So I don't have to rely on anybody. So with me and my older brother at the time, the plan was that one of us would move to the States, right. run the retail stores, and the other one would stay in India and run the manufacturing part and go back and forth. That would have been a good idea. Yeah, it would have been a great idea. So that's the reason why dad moved to the States to set up the retail stores and stuff like that. And tried, tried. It just required a huge investment. Did not make the best decisions. Trusted a few wrong people on, on the way. And again, did not work out, did not pan out at yeah. all. Mom did not speak uh, very much English at the time. So she couldn't okay. get a job uh, okay. outside uh, at the time. So what she started doing was she started cooking for Indian families out of a two-bedroom apartment in Silver Spring. And uh, like all the bachelors that live in the States, in, in the D.C. area, like they would come by on Sunday, drop the, they would come by on Friday, drop the tiffins off, and mom would cook over the weekend, and they would come on Sunday evening, pick up their food for the entire week, and go. And she go was on. meal prepping for everybody. That's all she was doing. That's fantastic. Right? That's all, because they didn't have time to cook and stuff like that. So right, that's what right, she right. was doing. So that business, that part, so me and my, in the meantime, I moved to the States, and I was work. I still remember, I landed on March 1st, 2003, my first day at work was March 10th, 2003. <laughs> and I was selling wallets at a cart in Annapolis Mall. Wow. You didn't have much time then. You, I you just not. went right into I it. Was, I had a job lined up. So like, I'm surprised I waited nine days. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I had a job lined up. I had a girlfriend back in India at the time. And I told her, I'm like, hey, hon, I'm going to be gone for six months. I had no plans of staying here. My plan You were going to go back. My, I had a return ticket for July 15th <laughs> when I came here. And I came here, and I told him, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to go to the States. I want to make some money. I didn't have a car back in India at the time. So I'm like, I want to make some money. I'm going to come back, buy a car, and we'll go from there and see how things pan out. Yeah. The didn't happen, six huh? months I haven't had. She's married, has kids. Good to go. Good for her. Glad she didn't wait. Uh, <laughs> so so going back to the, the food thing. So mom and dad, mom started cooking, and dad just started snowballing where from just cooking for Indian families. Now we were cooking for Indian events and stuff like that. So like I, cultural events and, exactly. and stuff and like Indian, that. Indian, like small gatherings and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that started picking up again and again and came to the point where I remember so if it, there was a big event, dad would work, dad used to work at the dollar store in Arundel Mills. I used to be in Annapolis Mall, so dad would get off from work, come pick me up, and then we would drive back to Silver Spring. And then at night, if there was a big catering, mom would have done all the prep work and we would cook at night for all these functions and stuff. And the so that house was just smelling all dude, the time. Dude, that building smelled like, <laughs> like You could tell it from a mile away that we were it was, Yeah, it was just curry all the time. Oh, my God. And, it, <laughs> and, the, and the funny part was that, again, you're in a two-bedroom apartment. You're not legally allowed to cook. As a oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. Right? So we would wait till 11 o'clock at night till everybody in the building would sleep. And we had the, That's we had the apartment on the first floor. And we had all commercial equipment, and we would just pull out all the equipment in the balcony. Oh, so you had all your commercial equipment? Everything in the... hidden in the apartment, like big freaking uh, 
gas burners and shit like that. That's so funny. And we would pull everything out in the balcony and we would cook till 2.33 in the morning just so that nobody would see us. Right. And I remember one occasion that we had just started cooking, oil had just gotten hot, and the building fire alarm goes off at 11.30. Oh, no. Right? And we are thinking it's our fault. We are thinking it's right, because right, of right, us. Right, right, right. So the first thing we do is that my dad looks at me and goes, sorry, hide everything. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And the oil in the pot has just gotten hot. I remember running into my, uh, my room, opening my walk-in closet, like taking all the clothes, dumping them on the bed, taking this hot thing pan of oil and hiding it in my walk-in closet. Fire trucks came, every, everybody came. Come to find out, there was a lady on the third floor who was cooking dinner, and the smoke alarm went off, and she did not shut it off in time. Uh-oh. And that triggered yeah, the building okay. alarm. Okay. And we were so mad because now we're an hour and a half late right. from yeah. cooking everything we had to cook. And we would like cook till 3, 3.34 in the morning and then wake up and then go to our jobs in the morning and stuff like that. So pretty rough. That's dedication. Yeah. I mean, that's the only, yeah. only option we had at the time to, right. to, to make, make ends meet. And then... Literally meet. Yeah. 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 And then uh, literally meet. <laughs> and then that started picking up. I remember one of our biggest events we did was we did a wedding, an Indian wedding for 400 people from the two-bedroom apartment. Like, Chris, when I say we cooked for a week straight, that's, and did our jobs. Like, it was a week of straight up cooking Indian food every night, coming back. And that's when somebody came to us and said, why, why don't you guys get in the restaurant business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when we started, oh, might, might not be a bad shot. So then we started looking, and obviously we didn't have any money saved up. So one of dad's very close friends, let dad borrow money from her, from her, and uh, we bought our first restaurant in the partnership, which went really bad, and we lost our money uh, in San Sushi. It used to be called Taste of India. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Taste okay, of I India used that. to be where the lounge used to be. Right, right. right. So th- that Taste of India was converted into Curry of India, which was us, and then we had a second partnership that went bad, which was, which is when the Hot Noodle place had opened up. They had bought the Chinese place. Yeah. And then they took over our side and merged okay. it all together. Okay. And that's how we. And so going back to going back to uh, DC. So I'm in Georgetown. Everybody knows how I feel about St. Mary's County in my family. Everybody. Knows you got out for a hot second. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody knew how I felt about right. not getting back in the restaurant business at all. So I get a call from my dad and says the old restaurant that was Curry of India, the hot noodle place was up for sale. So dad calls me and says, and dad in the meantime already had a restaurant in Waldorf that he was running. So dad calls me and says, hey, the old restaurant is up for sale. And my response to him was, cool, you should get it. <laughs> and he goes to me, he goes, it's not for me. And I'm like, you know how I feel about the restaurant right. business. And you know how I feel about St. Mary's County. It's not for me either. And he kind of got pissed off and he said, you know what? I think you and your brother should do it. And I'm like, I think that is a bad idea. And I don't think it's going to happen. So good luck. So he, got, he gets pissed off at me and he hangs up on me. Right. Then 15 minutes go by. My brother calls me. My brother also moved to the States in the meantime, like in that time duration. Okay. So he was over he was in, back in India. Okay. Gotcha. He was back in India. And then he calls me and I knew exactly what the call was for. So I pick up the phone and I'm like, yo. He goes, uh, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. At work. He goes, did dad call you? I'm like, yeah. He goes, what do you think? I'm like, I'm not really sure why we're having this conversation. <laughs> you because already know what Everybody I think. in my family knows. Right. My family knows how I think. 
And then he, he's a pretty smooth talker, really smooth talker. So he gives me the shabil for 15 minutes. He goes, how long are you to keep working for other people, make other people money? Like, this is your prime age. You should be working for yourself. Yeah. This and that, this yeah. and that. So after a 15-minute conversation, my, the conversation ended with, fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> I, that was the end of the conversation. So to, to go back for a hot second, how did your, it was your dad's partner that found St. Mary's? Uh, so we were just looking for restaurants up for sale. Okay. And the restaurant that we could afford happened. It was down here. Mary's okay. Restaurant. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. So now you're at, fuck it, I guess I'll have to move back down here. Yep. I don't even really want to. Yep. And then that's when Bollywood. I was commuting. So we were living in Waterloo at the time. Okay. So we were commuting. So when we opened so the you were commuting even to Georgetown then, right? Exactly. Exactly. So which, which is, like driving has never been an issue for me. I love driving. So commuting 30, 35, 40 minutes was never a big deal right. for me. So the initial plan was that me and my brother were in partnership at the restaurant in 2008 at Bollywood. So Bollywood brand name was started between me and my brother. Okay. And uh, two months in, me and my brother, my brother is super alpha, right? And he likes to have, he likes to do things his way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm the kind of a guy that I will, I listen a lot to my people, my customers, right? So I will, my goal is to make it what works for you. Right. Not what works for me, what works for you. Because in the end, you're the one that's spending money. Yeah. Right. And I have my own pace of doing things, my own motivators, my own everything, is, and which was very different from my brothers. So me and my brother started fighting a lot. Yeah, you didn't even want to be down here. No, didn't. And it, it came to the point where my brother and me came, came at a point in that partnership where it was like, either you run the place or I run the place. Mm. So what do I do? I said, take it. I'm out. <laughs> like, I was the first one to get the hell out of there. I'm like, take it. I don't want to do it. I never want to do it. Just give me my money back and I'm out. I'm going to take my job back in Georgetown and I'll be very happy. My dad put his foot down. Because all the family business, like that, we had two family business back in India. And they were kind of, they went over to my brother. And he was responsible for them eventually. And I had never really gotten anything in terms of every time my turn came up to get something, we'd already lost it. Mm, so so, okay. so at that okay. point, dad kind of put his foot down and he said, no, you're keeping it. You're taking this. And no matter what happens, like you will run it. Was, did not, was not happy at all. <laughs> but that was a decision made. So I stuck with it. And I took, and I took over Bollywood. So I think December-ish, December, January of 2009, December 2008 or January 2009 is when I took over Bollywood completely. Okay. And I ran that place. And then when did the lounge come in? So lounge, another funny story. Our lounge came around. It's, it's funny because I think if I listen to this entire podcast or after uh-huh. afterwards, or anybody listening would probably think that our family does not like each other and <laughs> we do not get along at all. Not the case. I think that's just family, I right? I know, but definitely not the case. We love each other. <laughs> so fast forward two years, right? 2010-ish. 2009, I think dad suffered his first heart attack when he was in Waldorf. And uh, his stress level was really high because the Waldorf restaurant that he was, he was uh, having, a, he was going in arguments. He was in arguments with his landlord okay. at the time, and things were just not panning out good. Uh, so dad had a heart attack, and his stress levels were really high. So we were at the point where like, all right, dad, no stress level, no stress level. You gotta keep it, calm it down, gotta calm it down. So we came to a point where I we said, all right, shut the restaurant Waldorf, come help me run Bollywood, and I'll pay you. And we'll run it together. Yeah. Okay. Good idea in theory. 
how that panned out was like obviously dad's been in the business for a long time dad's been in the restaurant business for a longer time so he did not want to listen to me right and i had been running bollywood in one way and it was successful it was just not his way so me and dad would fight nonstop <laughs> about running it about running how to run the restaurant and stuff because i was at a point i'm like it's my baby i'm running it my way yeah you gave and, it to me exactly. you well you forced it on me exactly yeah. that was my money invested right my time invested and i remember, i was 25 at the time i bought i opened bollywood when i was 25 years old that's so, insane exactly so when i think of this like at 25 i was responsible for 11 people to be able to pay their wages to pay, yeah, able yeah, to yeah. pay the bills on time and i would drive i remember very very distinctly there was a day i we ran out of chicken in the morning i had, had no chicken i don't even know how you do that but exactly it was crazy because i didn't know how to order for restaurants and stuff it was all a learning curve for me so i came to the point where i am driving to dc to buy chicken in bulk at 2:30 in the afternoon and i was crying in tears fighting with myself that what the fuck have i done with my life right at 25 at 26 i am doing this while all my friends are going out Yeah, yeah, because right? at that time, I mean, everybody's kind of living their best 25, life. 25, 26, everybody's partying. And I would get text messages from everyone, hey, are you coming out tonight? And I'm like, nah, I got to work. Right. And because was the busiest time period at the restaurant, right. so I'm not going anywhere. So I was very, I was like borderline depressed. I'm like, what am I doing in my life and stuff like that? But obviously, I loved it. I loved the restaurant business so much that it kind of took a turn and I enjoy, started enjoying it so much. So at that point, when I was getting into arguments with dad and stuff, then I came to a revel. came to a realization where I said, I can open up another business, but I can't get another dad. Yeah. So it's my dad. Yeah. And I'm, I, I, and you've I already had, to, had one scare. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, my brother, when we were fighting, like we did not talk to each other for like over a year and a half. Like we were oh, in wow. the okay. same room and not acknowledge each other. Like it was bad. Wow. Like, really bad. So I did not want to go through that with my dad, obviously. So about four or five months, me and my dad kept on fighting. And I'm like, you know what? I'm done. Take it. So I handed over the keys to Bollywood and then I literally sat down one day Chris and I thought to myself I'm like what is the one thing that dad hates the most that he would never interfere in and dad <laughs> hates the alcohol scene okay <laughs> with a passion like that's why if you notice at Bollywood even at the restaurant right now only beer and wine Indian beer Indian not wine. liquor not anything yeah, right you no know, he hates the alcohol scene According to him, nothing good comes out of alcohol. He's probably not right, right? or probably, probably not right, wrong. Probably, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was a bulb. I was like, I guess I'm opening up a goddamn bar. <laughs> <laughs> I can separate myself. That is the one business that that's, will never, funny. ever interfere in because he doesn't know anything and he hates it. So it was the question that I asked myself was that that what does dad hate the most? And the second question was, what can I do that I can hang out with my friends for a living? because I told myself like I obviously had not gone out partying ever because yeah. I was working all the time so I told myself I'm like well I can't go to the parties I'm going to bring the party to me there you go yeah so that's when the lounge which was initially supposed to be a martini bar with desserts that was so the, like an after dinner type yeah, thing that right? was the initial plan for the martini lounge and uh that's when I started working towards it and 2011 June after 6 Uh, or seven uh, soft openings, I finally did a grand opening and I stayed open after that. I remember my brother would text C on Facebook 
uh, opening today, launch of Bollywood. And then I would, after like two days after, I'm like, oh, we'll be close to make some changes. And like a week later, opening today, launch of Bollywood. <laughs> and it would happen like five or six times. And I remember, rem- I remember my brother calling me one day and he said, if I see your grand board opening one more time <laughs> on fucking Facebook, you and me are going to have problems. Yeah, just open and stay open. Exactly. What are you doing? Exactly. And it's one of those things. Like, I did not know if the county was ready for the concept. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty... At back, in, back in 2011, like, the county was a lot different than what it is right now. Yeah. Right? So I did not know if the county was ready for it. And the county was obviously not ready for it at the time. And people would come and question it all the time. Be like, do you think it'll, do you think it'll work? And I'm like... And my response to everybody was, I'm like, if it doesn't, I will change it to what will work. Yeah. Like, I'm not married to the idea. It's a starting point. So we'll, we'll go where it goes. Right. And because it's not a bad idea to have a martini and, and a, exactly. a dessert bar because of the people that are around you. So you have so many older folks that are retired from military, double dipping as contractors. Yep. The money's here. Yep. So it all depends on kind of what you want to do with it. Exactly. and And giving those people an outlet. To where it's not just, oh, I can go to the movies or I can go to Waldorf or I can go to D.C. You want to kind of bring that stuff down here. Absolutely. And the second biggest thing was St. Mary's County till now, till today, is the, has the highest per capita bars and liquor stores in North (laughs) America. It's insane. Right? It's crazy. Like you can't drive a mile without an establishment serving or selling alcohol. Right? So opening up just a bar would not make any sense because then I would be just another one in 50,000 other bars yeah. down the county. So, and again, having just opened up an Indian restaurant two and a half, three years back, so educating people about that, it only made sense to do something different. So I was at I was in culinary art school at the time, and uh, I hired one of the old, old bartenders of Ruddy Duck to do the opening of the lounge. And uh, older guy, forget his name, Jay. His name was Jay, yep. Older gentleman. And I did the opening of the lounge and I was talking to him and he made a mojito with sour mix in it. And I took it to one of the customers and I took the mojito to him and he was a friend of mine and he looks at me, he goes, Sonny, this is not a mojito. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's what he made? And he would go back to Jay. I'm like, Jay, what did you put in it? I'm like, this this does not taste right. And he goes, okay, let me fix it. So he added more sour mix to it. And I took it back to the customer, and Keith goes to me. He goes, "Sonny, I'm sorry, man. This is nasty. Like, there's no way in hell." Yeah. And I come back, and I talk, and I ask Jay. I'm like, "Jay, what are you doing, man? Like, this is not how a mojito is made." And he knew I knew nothing about making drinks. So he was kind of taking advantage, oh, slightly, absolutely. right? Yeah. And he goes to me, and he goes, "Well, who, what do you know about making drinks? Like, well, how can you say it's not? I know what I'm doing." And he raised his voice and got in an argument, and I'm like, "Jay, I'm done. Back up. Get out." And he, his words were, he goes, you will never be successful in this business. We hate those a little bit, huh? <laughs> and he said to me, he goes, you don't know what you're talking about. You will never be successful in the business. It was a weekend. I remember it was a Friday. And I used to, my culinary art school used to be in the morning in Baltimore. And it was started at 7 a.m. every day. And That's a hell of a drive yeah, that early. Every morning I, it was. And then I look up. So what do I do on Friday night? I look up at all the bartending schools in the area and I found one in College Park which was starting that Sunday and I went to the Sunday class and I hated it the guy, <laughs> like the, guy the teacher did not show up for 45 minutes after what? Class. yeah did not show up at all 
took my money back and I had heard really good reviews about the bartending school in uh, Arlington, Virginia. Okay. So I enrolled myself on Monday over there. Yeah, that I think that school's been there forever. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And they produce amazing results. Like, right. There's, it's still there. I love that school. And I did a two-week crash course for bartending. While the lounge was open, while I was in culinary art school, no, I might have closed the lounge. I think I shut the lounge because after that, they make all the changes. My sixth grand opening. <laughs> uh, so Hopefully I, the one that's stuck. Yes. Though, right? yeah. yes. So I did that. I opened. So I would go in the morning. I would leave at 4.30 in the morning and I would drive to Baltimore. Be in class from 7 till 5 in the evening. Leave Baltimore. Drive to Arlington. Be in class from 6 to 10. How did you make it in a... F- Never mind. Don't, yeah. I don't want to know. 6 to 10, I would get to Arlington. 10 o'clock, go back home, sleep, and do it all over again for two weeks. And I remember, I, so picking bartending was easy for me because it's something I loved. I wanted right. to learn so bad. Right. I don't even remember giving my final speed exam because before that, I'd already opened the lounge. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to go back for a Saturday to give the exam when I can actually make Just money. Just go, yeah, yeah. Own lounge. And the rest is history. And the lounge stayed open after that. That's wild. Yeah. So what... Was there any time during that working yourself to death, going to school to death, that you were just like, I don't want to do this? Or was it just always like... I just could not wait till everything was done so I could run the lounge the way I wanted to run the lounge. That's fantastic. So when all the schools were done, so but college, and funny story, like when I, the culinary art school I went to, they lost their accreditation. Really? Uh, when I was two years in. Yeah. And it was taken over by Stratford at the time. It, was, it used to be called BIC, Baltimore International College. Okay. And uh, even with that, there was a... so. When I was in culinary art school, funny story, the chefs knew I had a restaurant already, right? So all the kids around me were younger kids or older kids who wanted to get a job in the restaurant. Yeah, because they're, they're probably like 20, 21, and just getting into it, right? Exactly. And there were some older people coming back to sure. kind of revamp their sure, sure, sure. stuff. And everybody, all the chefs knew I already had a restaurant that was doing well for the last two years. So it's funny, the chefs would teach things in school, in the class, and then they would look at me and they're like, but this does not really work in real life, right, Sonny? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it does not. So they're doing like traditional technique. Exactly. Tradi- yeah, and you're just like, I already know how to do this in a much more efficient yeah. way. And it's funny, like we had one, one of our courses, one of our classes was uh, foreign foods. And uh, <laughs> I remember my chef, who I'm really, who I'm still good friends with, uh, he calls me. He he calls me out. He goes, "Do you want to teach this class? Because we might do Indian if you want to do it." And I'm like, "No, I don't. I mean, I don't want people to think that I right. don't do much." Can I call my mom instead? And that's literally what I did <laughs> because I, I'm not even lying. So he goes, "No, I think I think it'll be fun. I think you should teach this class and you should t- cook Indian food." And I'm like, "Well, chef, I'll be very honest with you. Like, I am not used to. I've never cooked in a small batch in my life." Right. Okay. Like the only you've always done the big ones was hey, how about you put 125 pounds of onion in that container <laughs> and we'll go forward from there, right? That's so much onion. Exactly. But still, like, that's how you start in a restaurant, right? For yeah. Maybe you make mother sauces. And I was going from that to cooking for nine people. And yeah, I'm you like, can't really, like, downsize that too much. I am not sure what to do. So he goes, <laughs> well, tell me what ingredients you need. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to need to call my mom for that. So I excuse myself. I need a lifeline. Right? Yeah. And I call up my mom and I'm like, Ma, I need to cook butter chicken for like 20 people. Like, tell me what I need to do. 
And she gave me all the rations and stuff. And I go back and I'm like, coach, I'm chef. This is what I need. And he got me everything. And it's so funny. Like our chefs would never eat what the students have cooked. Ever. They would taste it, but they would never eat it. Okay. Because okay. like, I don't know what you guys, how you've cooked it. Like, I don't want to get sick because of how you how you cooked it. Oh, right, I'll right. If it's it. undercooked or exactly. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll taste it, but I'm never going to take it. And I remember my chef, he had a styrofoam glass. And I made rice and butter chicken. And he comes, put some rice, put some butter chicken. And he goes, all right, everybody, he tastes it. He goes, this is good. Everybody can eat. And he walks out of the glass. And five minutes later, he comes back and he brings two other chefs with him. And he said, try this. This is good. Ooh. And he calls Chef Faker. He looks at me. He goes, it's probably the first time he has ever eaten more than one serving of anybody, <laughs> any student cooking. And he told me, he goes, if the school's, that was the time the school was up uh, in, uh, there, was a, there was a question. Up in the air and kind of what it was going on. Yeah. And he said, he goes, if you want to teach foreign class something next semester, like we would put you in. And I'm like, nah, I cannot. I yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that's just way too much other work. Exactly. Yeah. So that's when I, I dropped out of culinary arts school. And I finished, technically did not finish bartending school, so I kind of dropped out of that. <laughs> you and dropped out of a two-week course. I did. Okay. I, did. I technically did not graduate. Right, just to put it in course. perspective. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. And uh, yeah, starting the lounge, and then added, I remember telling all my beer distributors in 2011, and I'm like, I'm going to change the nightlife of this county. Yeah. I'm going to, because at that time, Again, like going back to a previous conversation, not a lot of places were doing bands. There right. were not a lot of places, right. independent places that did live music and stuff. And I told all my beer distributors, I'm like, I'm going to change the nightlife of this county. You watch. And that's when the Little Black Dress Nights yeah, yeah, yeah. popular. Kind of the, the more classier, yeah. I guess. Yeah. The different... And I don't even want to say classier than what we have. It's, it's more event-driven. So exactly. it was it was actually like thoughtful events. It wasn't just, you know, we're going to the bar and drinking. It was just not a Saturday night yeah. where you went to a bar and just drank. And then like drinking through, was, dar- through darts or, exactly. or whatever, right? I'd always said my, my game plan right off the back was that I will never be a bar where people just show up and drink. They have to have a reason to come to the bar. So if they come to consecutive days which unfortunately but fortunately a lot of people do yeah it's a dual sword right exactly yeah. but they st- even at the tap house I-, I see people that come pretty much three days a week four days a week but they're coming there for different reasons right right so the the reason to come there is not it, something other than drinking and I would be the I have been and I would be the first bar owner if I see somebody there maybe three or four days in a row and I know they've been drinking a lot, which is kind of different from what they... I would be the first one to go to them and be like, take a break, dude. Like, you've been drinking yeah. quite a bit. Take a break. Yeah, you got to have a little bit of a social consciousness in there, right? Yeah, Absolutely. And for me, like, we are very... Even at the tap house and at the lounge, like, I've had the same guy working the door for me for the last, God knows, six oh, years now. What is his name? Jose. Jose, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jose's still here. Yeah. And Jose gets it, right? That's the reason why he's still here. We don't let people drink and drive. For the, I, I mean, if there, there are people that I've offered to drive and I've said, hey, have a seat. I'm going to go tell my staff inside that I'll be right back. And I've gone inside and they've booked it. Right? Really? So at that point, I've done everything I could have. Yeah. Right? At I that mean, point, you, you went above and beyond exactly. for that. Yeah. So, but I'll be, for me, the well-being of people that come to my bar 
holds priority over anything. Yeah, and I've always I've always wondered that if um, particular bar owners feel that, or also like who's to really blame at that point? The ones that allow them to keep coming and drinking and driving and and doing that, and providing an environment for it, right? Yeah. Or the ones that you know, obviously you have your own self to to blame for for what could definitely happen, exactly. right? I've been in that situation. It's not a good situation. That's why I don't drink anymore. Yeah, but that's. That's something where it, it's always kind of like a fine line. Do you keep, do you overserve? Do you keep saying, okay, so, it's money, it's fine, yeah. it's whatever. But at that point, there's got to be some kind of social but awareness the, to that's it. That's right? the difference, right? Like we were talking about earlier, that the <coughs> the motivators are different. Yeah. Right. So when I tell, I call my customers, my tapas family. Right. I call my staff, my tapas family, only for the reason. When you're in my bar, I have always said this when I got in the bar business. I'm like, I promise you, my goal is not to get you drunk. My goal is to make sure you have the best time of your life when you come here. Right? That's my goal. My the and I and I've said this in the past and I'll say it again. I think the biggest difference between us as a bar versus any other bar is we actually give a shit about our customers. Right. Right, it's not about you. Not a statistic. You not a dollar sign, right? It is an. Actually, I am personally. It, I've always said it. If one person left this place and got in a wreck, or and killed himself, or hurt himself, or hurt somebody else, I will lose my entire drive of running this business. I will completely and I don't, lose it. Yeah, I don't think that. That's the same everywhere. Yeah. Especially, so, in this area, it's a, it's pretty unique. You have a lot of the mom-and-pop bars, yep. a lot of the independent bars, and then you also have the, the corporate uh, side of it, too, that, that is a little bit more of by the numbers and, and stuff like that in yep. there. So, I think that's one thing, because you look at the people that are around you. This is a small place. Yeah. And you see those same people exactly. every day. Like, and when people come to my bar... I don't just greet them by saying hi. I hug every single person that comes in. Right. I, only because like that is the one thing that defines us, which is when you come to me and I, when I hire staff, I, I tell them this. I'm like, you and myself, we will end up spending more time in this establishment than you will spend at home. So when you come here, treat people like they are guests in your house. They are not customers. I tell everybody, I'm like, and don't serve them with the tip in mind. My mom always used to say this. She goes, and she always said that money is an, a result of something. Right? Mm -hmm. Money is not the initial step. Money, if A plus B equals C, C you can't control. Because if you do A plus B, C will happen. A and B you can control. So she always said, she goes, do your karma right. If your karmas are right, the results will always follow. Don't, don't chase after the results. Chase after the deeds. Because if your deeds are right, the end result will always be good. Yeah. Um, a lot of, I think the, the corporations that are really successful have that overarching idea in place. Yep. 
It's the behaviors that you need to focus on. Exactly. It's the, the atmosphere. It's the customer that you need to focus on. And the the businesses that, that really, you know, like what you, you're talking about, that family atmosphere. Yep. And then <clears throat> feeling safe. Yeah. That's I think that's one of the biggest things. And you, you go to bars that you don't feel safe in. Yep. And that also drives away certain clientele and then you're not able to kind of like bring everybody together and then there's untapped potential there. So there's, there's a much bigger picture. And if you're just nice to people goes a long way. Yeah. And it blows my mind how 90% people don't get it in, especially in this industry. Right. Like it blows my mind. So many people don't get the simple concept that all you need to do is care for people. Yeah. You are in the, hospitality industry a lot of people forget about the hospitality part it's, it's crazy to me yeah it, crazy it's crazy it's me. so funny because all you know depending on on what you do for a living especially if it's customer based you're going to get those people that just frustrate you those customers that clientele that just frustrate you and if you don't like step back enough to be like if they're not here then i'm not here yeah if you don't have that mentality in there, exactly. then it's, it's not going to work out for you. And my staff, like every now and then, we would get people who are really bad tippers. Yeah, right? of course. And I'd tell them, and they would like, they're up, they, I've had staff where that would get upset that they would have a $100 tab and they've left $6 in tip. Right? Okay, you're going to get mad for one person, but what about somebody who had a $20 tab and left you a $40 tip? Yeah. Like, think about that. Right? So, in the end, so one of my biggest pet peeves with my staff is if you came in and I gave you your tab and you signed your tab and you left it, if I as a server picks up your tab and the first thing I do is check how much tip I've left, you've left me, I'm going to fire the server like in a heartbeat. There's no question. Because again, their motivators are different. Right. 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 I used to have a girl who used to work for me and she would look at the tip and her tone of saying thank you would depend on the tone, depend on the, how much tip mm, you left. Okay. And obviously, she's not here no, uh, with us. Uh, and that was the thing. Like, to me, as a business owner, as stupid as that sign, sounds, the one thing I've never chased ever since I've been in a business is I've never chased money. Well, ever. and just like what your mom's saying, if you're doing those A and B, yeah. The money is going to come in. Absolutely. And the longevity of that is going to come in too. Absolutely. Uh, because, I mean, it's it's just a basic fact. It's just what's going to happen if you do your deeds right. Just yep. simple. It's literally that simple. What do you think is the biggest change from the lounge to the tap house? Uh, I think it's one of the biggest concept. The concept is more inviting to a, a broader mass. Sure. I think with martinis and stuff, I think it, uh, it was more niche. And uh, so that was, that's one. And second of all, just having a bigger space. Like I was a little worried when I took over the space of how big the space was. The, the space is almost twice the size of the lounge. Yeah, because this was more of a banquet hall for it a hot was. second. It was. That's for, how it was built. Designed for like weddings and yep. stuff like that. Yeah. And my when, I, when we took over this place, I, I looked at the space and I said to myself, I'm like, why am I going to use this space? Six times a year, and not use it every day. Yeah, to make me money. So, so changing the concept, it it attracted a bigger mass of people. First off, and second of all, having a bigger space, like there are areas where we can just cut uh, partition off, 
and make it private. So that itself was, I did not realize at the time, but was huge because of all the farewells and parties on base. Yeah. Like that, having that private space goes a long way in this in this area. Yeah, because then you can just rent out half of the bar and keep the other bar open if you need to yeah. and then be able to double dip almost, right? Yeah. 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 And the second thing and the third thing was that I think training was easier with staff. Like okay. Having, at the old place, like, I was very particular about giving my recipes out, even to my staff. So when we were Martini Lounge, I would make premixes of all the stuff for my staff and I would never give out recipes <laughs> because to me, it was just a job to them, right? So if I give sure, them, yeah. if I give them a recipe, they could go and work at a bar across the street from me, and take all the recipes with them. Right. So there was no way for me to control it, unless I like all I was I would premix all my stuff in the back, and I give it to uh, give it to my servers. So that element kind of went away, and all I had to do was teach people how to pour a beer. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit different, isn't a it? A lot easier, and it works <laughs> a whole lot better, whole lot better. And with the so <clears throat> with the the bigger overarching, um, I guess the the people that you're bringing in, you're also looking at doing like shuffleboard, the big Jenga, and yep. it's more of like a relaxed atmosphere. While the lounge was a little bit more formal at times, yep. if I remember right, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. It was so. I think the lounge catered to one set of a mood. Mm-hmm. Right? It was more couches and stuff. So. The lounge was a perfect place if you genuinely just came in to relax. But if you wanted to have a, like, if you wanted to just be active in a bar, there was not, we weren't catering to that kind of people at all, unless we had an event and stuff. But over here, we have couches, we have tables and chairs, we have, the goal, the whole point is there is stuff to do apart from just drinking. Yeah. That's keep you there coming back, but in the, the right way. In the right way. Exactly. Now, when you so when you think about the tap house, do you have a goal of kind of what you want it to turn into eventually? I think it is exactly where it is where I want it to be. Okay, right. I think it's exactly where I, where I want. And I think the biggest thing for me with the tap house was understanding that this is not my business, but what I have created is a platform for the community to come together and right. do things for the community that they could not otherwise. And when you're thinking of your events and you're planning those, so the community aspect obviously has to come into play. Yes. Does that even drill down to music, little black dress parties, all the different like different events that you're going to have to be able to celebrate with your family Yes. at this point, right? Exactly. So my thing is, I don't think I've ever turned a fundraiser away. Right? And I think my bookkeeper hates me for that. <laughs> <laughs> because... There is no other way to like show it, but I've never turned a fundraiser away. Right. Uh, I've been very, and I've been very blessed because very blessed with the support I've gotten for it. Like it's one of those things that I think I've created a name for myself. I mean, we have created a name for ourselves at the Tap House where if there is any crisis that happens in the community, I am approached right away for anything and everything. Like that can be done from the tap house perspective. That's great. And my 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 common my usual answer is, who am I to say no if that's what the community wants? Sure. Yeah. Right? Like I, I when we did the fundraiser for uh, uh, Jalen at the after the great shooting, uh, it was a big thing 
because I had Wes Rice was played a very important role in setting up the musicians lineup for mm-hmm. that event. And I remember, I think Mike Damron might have messaged me later on asking if he could play. Sure. And I had no control over the lineup of the music, but I remember my response to Mike was, I'm like, Mike, I am nobody to say no to you. Yeah. Right? If you want to do that and show your support to the incident, I have no rights to tell you, sorry, you cannot. Yeah, that, that just seems Regard- weird. Exactly. And, yeah, like, I cannot tell you that, oh, I'm sorry, I'm full, you cannot. I will never be that guy. We'll make room. So my thing is, bring your guitar, and at some point, we will find time and a place for you to do. It might not be in the same lineup as that, but I'm not going to stop you. Yeah, for so sure. So do it. If that's what you, if that's what you want to do, do it. We'll find a way to make it happen. Like that was my response. And we raised over $9,000. That's just fantastic. That okay. We did 50% of tap house sales. I donated 100% of my tip share from that night. And every, the people that donated that day, like all together, we raised over $9,000. And we split the money where we gave 50% to Jalen's family. And the other 50% was split between the other two families that were involved. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and I think that's one of the biggest differences that you're going to see in a smaller community like this, even though it's it's kind of big, right? Yeah. Like it, it, St. Mary's, despite it's, it's the biggest small community you'll ever come across. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's a great way to put it. But every, I think everybody is conscious of it. And once that one incident hits, I mean, everybody is respond to action. And it blows my mind how quickly people in this community get together to support each other. Yeah. Right? It is absolutely crazy. Like, everybody, and that is, like, after that event is when the bulb went off, where I said to myself, and I'm like, Sonny, this is not your bar. This is not your business. It's theirs. It's theirs. Yeah. And let them do whatever they want to do with it. That is the only way you'll be okay. Just let them do it. And with that, so with that sense of community in there, you have also transitioned into opening a rec center that you're in the middle of, yes. of working on. You're, yes. you're trying to give back in a bigger picture yep. overall, right? Yeah. So I will not take any credit for the rec center. Uh, there's a lady, there's a, my business partner. Okay. Business, uh, Trisha Post. It was her baby. She has been after this idea for the last eight years. And she's wanted to do a rec center, rec center for a very long time. And things have come close. Things have just not worked out. And it's funny because she approached me last year, sometime in March, April. Sure. Almost a year to the day. And she had asked people, she was thinking about putting up a, like some kind of restaurant space in there for food. And she had asked people that who should I, who should she talk to? And most people had suggested, like, go talk to Sunny. Go talk to Sunny. And she came by, she came by last year uh, because she was, her initial plan was to do it with vending machines. Like, that was the initial plan. That sure. Put a bunch of vending machines in there. And then from that, she migrated over to having a restaurant, kind of a kind of a restaurant space. And when she came by, we were sitting and uh, butting head. We were sitting and chit-chatting about the entire concept. And being in the bar business, I've realized that most of the rec sports that are played in this county, almost every team ends up at a bar afterwards. They always have a beer league, right? Every single one. Right, so every, because most of the teams are sponsored by bars, now, yeah, right. There's so many of them. Exactly. You might as well, right? Exactly. So, 
And that's when I pitched the idea to Trish and I said, have you considered maybe putting a bar in the rec center? And she's like, I have not. And I'm like, I mean, if you, everybody ends up at a bar anyways. So if you give them a bar in the rec center, they don't have a place to go. Like, it's right there. And one thing led to another and another. And I did not, like, I went from just being the guy that just wants to pitch ideas to her to and help her, consult her, run the place. Right. To maybe taking the place over for lease and opening up the restaurant and like a mini version of the tap house over there to just being a, like a running partner in the entire establishment now. So that's where we get at. That's fantastic. Yeah. Are you excited? I am more nervous than excited <laughs> because it's against. I've always been the kind of a guy I experiment. Sure. And I think with my experimentation that has not worked in the past, like I've always been the guy that I'm like, I know what I'm good at and I'm going to stay in my lane and just expand on that. So the rec center was never my lane, but the food business is, my, is what I feel like sure. my lane is. So I traveled to other rec centers to see how they run and all of that stuff. So I think I have enough knowledge to call the rec sports maybe my my, my, my lane, maybe just not yet, but I think once we'd open. So I think I'll, I'll be more comfortable. Sure, and this is going to be like indoor soccer. It's going to be yes. a whole bunch of different sports that can go in there, yes. right? So we have, it's a 26,000 square foot facility. Okay. Out of which 15,000 square foot is the arena. That will have a gym, it'll have batting cages, and then it will have the arena part will go back and forth between turf and hard court. Okay. To accommodate indoor soccer, lacrosse, basketball, volleyball, futsal. Every, everything that you can think of. Everything you can think of. Excellent. It'll have a restaurant, a bar, it'll have two multipurpose rooms. So if people want to have, like corporate wants to have like a team building event or have a business meeting. Sure they can rent out the space and stuff. Like Interesting. That. Okay. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh-huh. And that's a good way, I think, too. So when when I was down here all the time, we have the kickball, softball, all that stuff. Yep. But I feel like there's the drill hall on base, but which is kind of the same idea, yep. but not everybody has access to that. Exactly. So you, you can bring that kind of to the – the non-military yep. and even the, the military that are here that don't want to just don't want to go on base. Yep. And then you have that aspect of, okay, now I have a bigger community. Now I have everybody that's able to come here and, and do more activities, more things. And yeah, to your point, they'll end up probably at a bar. Exactly. That's, that's kind of how exactly. that works. And then you also have food. But I think the nice thing with that too, is that now you can have another place for kids to go yep. and their parents can go chill out. And they can do whatever they need to do yep. while your parents actually have fun. So it should exactly. be a good... And that's, it. and that's the reason why I think the name of the bar uh, at the rec center would be, would be called Sidelines. That is a so very good idea. I like that. Parents can yeah. sit on the sidelines yeah, yeah, yeah. while the kids play. How long did that take you? Uh, it just came up. <laughs> it's funny. I think uh, our initial, uh, initial name that we were going with that somebody, one of my friends had suggested was uh, pregame. That's yeah. That's right. not a bad idea. Exactly. I think it has sometimes a negative connotation. Exactly. And plus, my thing is, like pregame does not flow very well in a sentence. Right. And pregame could mean other things. Right. Like it could mean that hey, you're strictly talking about drinking and stuff. But sidelines, and I was, I was just, it was one of those things. I was just driving by one day, 
and it just popped up. And I'm like, oh, Sidelines sounds like a really good name. And I talked to Trish about it, and Trish loved it. So we stuck with Sidelines. So Sidelines it is. Yeah, and you can have everybody in coaches' uniforms or whatever. Yeah, so that's, I exactly. Mean, that's a great idea. So I like that's, it. That's what we're going with. That That's fantastic. What would you say... Because with all these different projects, you also have you've you made time for yourself too, yes. right? How important is that for you to not feel burnt out and to be able to take kind of a step back? It was the game changer. It was an absolute game changer. I made a pact the last year the lounge was in business in two thousand and fifteen. So in two thousand fifteen September, I'd I'd worked nonstop for a long time. Right, not taking it not taken more than two days off ever. And I've always enjoyed traveling. So I'd made a pact with myself that if I cannot take one weekend off a month, shame on me. Yeah. Right? You got to pay yourself first, exactly. right? I'm like, if I cannot take one weekend off, shame on me. So my initial plan was I'll just take a weekend off and just stay local and stuff like that. And that did not pan out because if I'm local, I will be working. Sure, yeah. Like, it's just no, this is just no question. You're only a phone call away. Exactly. Uh, so, and if I have access to, 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 to my business, like I will be there. Right. So I, the only way came around was that I will make one weekend trip every month and I'll go away, but I have no choice, but not to be at work. And, uh, I won't lie. Like it has helped my business so much because every time I travel, I see so many things that other people are doing that I put that makes so much sense, which I probably would have never thought of myself. Yeah. So I've been able to incorporate those when I come back. And I think that has been the biggest game changer for where the tap house started to where the tap house is. Does your brain never shut off when you no. go to other places? Never. <laughs> no. No. Like, I'm <laughs> that. like I'm the guy that if I'm sitting at a bar and the server and the bartender is pouring a drink, like in my mind, I am counting to see how many ounces she's pouring and how much am I getting charged. Like, And then... Depending on that, I'm like, like I think to that, and I'm like, you are, you are, killing the business. Yeah, yeah, you're giving the yeah. house away almost. Yeah, you literally are. Yeah, and I'm like, if that's your normal pour, and I feel bad for the business owners. Like, what are, what are you doing? Like, I, that's how I function. Like, no matter where I go, and it's very hard, very hard to shut that off. Do you find yourself talking to the owners at that point, I or? Don't. It's not my it's not my lane. All right, that's my, that's yeah. good. Yeah. At least you're able to kind of distinguish between that. Yeah, but I so my my staff I'm so close to that usually they're the ones that I go out with. Sure. And that when I see something of that sort happening, like I definitely make it a point to bring it up to my staff that if that was you, you'd be looking for a new job. Wow. Because that is because I think. A lot of people, especially bartenders, I think in, they have a mindset that by hooking up a customer means you're giving them more to drink. Right, like, right. Like, hey, let me take care of you and I'll give you a stronger drink, not realizing now that person's going to have one or two less drinks. And if you're averaging a buck or two buck tip per drink, you just shortened yourself out of two bucks. That's a very interesting way to put it. Right? So yeah. at this point, you're not hooking him up. You are ruining your uh, your potential. Your potential to make yeah. money. We, um, one of the things that I talk to uh, my guys about is what's in it for you, what's in it for the customer, and what's in it for the business yep. or the whatever it is, right? So if you're 
hooking that customer up and you're only doing it for them, you're going to short yourself exactly. for sure. Like that's, that's, it, it makes sense. And I don't think it's something that people think about. Nope. You got to be it's a little just, bit selfish. Exactly. And it's narrow thinking at that point. Like I feel that you have it completely ass backwards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because if your goal or your mindset says that your definition of having a good time is getting drunk, then I don't want you at my bar. Right. Because I don't want to get you drunk. Right. right. I don't want. And if that's how my servers think, then you're obviously at a point that I have two different visions. And it, if, it's, if it's not the same vision, it's not going to work. Yeah, it's not going to work it's out. It's not going to work. It's, it's funny because even when I go to shows, my brain doesn't shut off either. Like yeah. when, especially now that I've, I've done shows for a while, I've done concerts, you've, you've been a part of that. Yeah. And, and seeing the, the different setup times, breakdown times, what bands go with what, and all the different, like the, the venue itself, yeah. the logistics of it, I can never turn off. And yeah. then. It it's helped me to appreciate bands that I would never see before, yeah. which is nice. But it, I'd never thought that I would have to keep going and keep going and keep going, and it just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning. No, I haven't done a show in like ten years, yeah. and it still does doesn't not. Stop? Sh- no, exactly. it doesn't shut off. I tell you, uh, about three, uh, five weeks back, about a month and a half back, I, me, one of the girls that works with me, Michelle, and two of my other friends, we went to Nashville for a weekend. Sure, yeah. Right. And obviously, we were out partying the entire night. All of us were completely hammered the entire time. Not the entire time, but like one of the nights. And all of a sudden, I am, it's like 1.30 in the morning. I'm at a bar, pretty drunk, and I get a notification about somebody leaving a review on the Facebook page of the Tap House. Right? And the review said, it was like, so it was 1.30 uh, mm-hmm. our time, so like, 11.30 down here. It was something, it was like around 11, 11.30 Eastern. Sure. Right? And again, I see the review and the review said, my first time at the Tap House, servers are great, the place is fantastic, but I'm not very happy with my DJ. It was a karaoke night and apparently he put his name to sing a song and his name never got picked out. Mm. But he assumed that the DJ was just calling out all his friends back again and again and again. So he and he said, and for just for that, I will probably not be back at the bar. Which is strange to me. Exactly. Because I know that DJs rotate. Exactly. And the DJ can change. But do you think that it was, okay, this is your bar, this is your DJ? So my D, I have one DJ that I have all the okay. time. Like, okay. He does not DJ anywhere else in okay. a different okay. bar. I don't have any other DJ in my bar. But even at the same time, so I'm... Now, mind you, I'm in a bar in Nashville, completely wasted. And you see this notification pop up. And I see this notification, and I stop everything. I, I, I remember going up the stairs at the Jason Aldean bar. I remember it so distinctly. And I just back up, and I stand, stand in the corner, and I grab my phone, and I start responding to the, to the review. Right? And I take a screenshot of it, and I immediately send it to my DJ. And I'm like, hey... I'm not sure what's going on. This is the review I just got. What's going on? And it was a it was a it was an accident where Ernie said, he goes, Sonny, I'm looking at the tickets right now. I don't have a ticket with this name on it. Mm. Right? So, so again, just got busy lost in night, the shuffle. Yeah. Ticket got lost in the shuffle and stuff like that. 
and stuff like that. So I am commenting, to, responding to him, completely apologizing. And I'm like, hey. And I sent him a screenshot of my conversation with my DJ, all on the face, publicly on the Facebook wall. All within 10 minutes of his po- him posting up the comment. Sure. And it was amazing to me how so many other people that saw the comment started responding to the guy and saying, hey man, like we've, been, we've known Sonny for a long time. We've been going to the bar for a very long time. You cannot just scratch off for one bad incident <clears throat> for something that was not even his fault. Yeah, you weren't even there. I was not even there. Plus, and it's my DJ. Like, I am not DJing. Right. <laughs> my staff is not DJing. Right. I have hired a DJ. Right. Right? So it's not my problem. It's not the tap house's fault. But again, and again, so we, and I was scared when I woke up in the morning because I knew I was commenting back and I was, wasn't sure. Not in the best Not in mindset, the best yeah. mindset. And I was like, I woke up in the morning, I'm like, holy shit, like, I want to know what, what I actually yeah. commented back. And I was pretty impressed with the, with my responses. <laughs> and by the time I wake up, like. Because you were just in auto mode at that point, It was right? just one of those things, like, I am not there. It was like an SOS, like, I have to, like, get your shit together and respond and fix this before it gets worse and stuff like that. And that's what I did. That's crazy. Yeah. So it never shuts off. That's, that's so funny. Um, do you have a couple more minutes? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So one of the, you have kept going from, I would say almost killing yourself, working school, all that stuff. And then, being in a successful place. So what do you think motivates you the most? Is it the community? Is it? It's the people, hands down. It's the people. And I think, and I've been guilty of this, where you attain a nice, comfortable level. Yeah. And then you start getting soft, right? Because you're like, oh, I don't have to work as hard. Oh, I don't have to go to work that much. And I think I have experienced it where, which is it's one of the worst things you can do, right? Uh, but I have seen that, okay, if I start taking time off a little too much, in my mind and my numbers, like, I'm like, okay, the business is slow. Now, it could be any other reason, but in my mind, it's because I am not there, right? So every now and then, when things get good, I have to give myself a pep talk that don't forget how you got there. Yeah, and you keep that on if you want to go any higher. Otherwise, I've always said success is one of those things that everybody gets a shot at. Like you, no matter what you do, you will be successful at some point in some level. Whether you can keep it is the hardest part. Right. It is the hardest part. And for you too, so... I have a problem with this at times as well where I have to kind of know everything that's happening and I yep. don't disconnect as much as I want to. Yep. You seem to have found that, but was it somewhere, someone that was like, Sonny, go take a break. I have this, like trust in me. Or, or was it, okay, if I don't break free for just a weekend, like what you were talking about before, I might go crazy and I'm not going to give my 100 to 120% that I'm giving already, yeah. right? Yeah. So what what do you think that point was? My best friend, his name is Nest. Nest Cameras. That was my best friend. Nest Cameras. Ah, uh-huh. uh, yeah. So. Yeah. It's very clever. It's very clever. <laughs> so I won't lie. Like, I think I never had cameras installed, right? So I finally did. And 
that was a big part of having the mental peace with me not being there that if something happened like i could tell like what had happened like i could go back and review the situation in my absence first of all and second of all uh just having faith like i knew that my staff i have trained them and talked to them enough that they know exactly what is expected from them so one of my all time favorite staff members that i had at the lounge who you know pretty well cat yeah. used to work for me for a very long time and one of the things one of the reasons why her and me gelled so well and for so long is on situations and mind you when i hired cat cat would not make any decisions at all so in my absence if something would happen cat would call me and i would push cat on the cat make a decision right if you make the wrong one this time next time you will know what not to do and we can always fix it we can always fix it right make a decision this way you will learn and cat came such a long way and it's funny because cat had spent so much time with me that her question to herself in a crisis situation would be what would sunny do right and because if you hang up with somebody long enough yeah. you can almost figure out what the person would do and i think my current staff is at the same point like they joke about it and they said every time we're stuck in a point and we not we can't access we don't have access to you like we ask ourselves what would sunny do now you just got to get bracelets i know i know so yeah that's that's the thing and i think my entire staff overall i have enough faith in them that they can run the place even if not 100% of how i want it i would say 80% 70% of how i want it which in in any case i feel is better than most other places down here i would agree with that bar. so that's my thing do you have any personal goals for you because you've not only do you run the business you do crossfit you go and you're able to explore different places you're able to go across the country all that stuff So do you have any personal goals set for yourself that you've thought of that you've been able to kind of take a step back and be like this is what I want to accomplish in the next few years? So yes, I do. Uh So there will be no setting back for any of those. That's the thing. I've always said I'm like I will be the living example of work hard and play harder. Like I have been that guy that has worked till 2 a.m. in the morning or that has put myself on the shift till 2 a.m. in the morning, gotten off at 1.30, gone to Walmart, bought my toiletries, packed, and been on the road at 3.30 to catch my 5.30 flight. Right? How I do it, I have no idea. I'm 36 years old. My body tells me, you are an idiot. Yeah. And, but hey, if I need to get somewhere to have a good time, and but I need also need to work, like I'm not going to let, I don't have to choose. Right. I would push myself to the point where I don't have to choose. So my personal goal when it comes to traveling is I I'm at 21 states so far and I want to do 48 out of 50 states by the end of 2019. That's my personal goal. Which ones are you skipping? I'm not, uh, I'm skipping Alaska and Hawaii. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like at this point I can only take weekends off and I feel like I will need a That, lot more yeah, than a weekend. Yeah, it's it's going to be a whole day just exactly. to fly there. Yeah, yeah. I will need a lot more than a weekend for Alaska and Hawaii. So everything else I want to complete by the end of 2019. When I started traveling a lot, every time I would come back, I would um, at least somebody would say that Sunny, I just love how you travel. 
I would love to travel, but I just can't afford it. Right. I would love to do this, but I just can't afford it. And stuff like that. And going back to being a place that that prides itself in doing everything for the community it possibly can, I came up with this idea where we will call something, we'll, we'll call this Bucket List Wednesdays, where on Wednesday, because it's the smack middle of the week, mm-hmm. we will take 10% of our total sales. And I made sure that it was very clear that it was not a gimmick to promote my business on Wednesday, right? Primarily because that was not the intention. And it's a selfless thing. It's not, it's not it's meant to be as selfish. Exactly. Yeah. It's one of those things like I don't have to. Right. And I don't care if my sales was $200 or if it was $2,500, right? I would take my 10% sales on Wednesday and I put it aside. And we would have, we have a box, like almost like a treasure chest that it was, looks like. I've and, seen the picture. Yeah. It's great. And people come in and they write one of their bucket list items and they drop it in there. And every month we picked we pick one that is within a price range uh, that we pay for them to live it. And the goal is that I will do 10 months of not super expensive bucket lists. And then towards the end of the year, like I know a lot of things that I have on, like obviously includes traveling and stuff, but then there's traveling to Scotland, traveling to Ireland. Yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah of course. <coughs> so, my goal is that I would do one or two of them towards the end of the year, where I would buy a complete package for somebody to go visit Ireland and stuff like that. Now, mind you, there are some people that write dumb shit and leave it on the, in the bucket list so box. My favorite one so far was Bud Light on tap. <clears throat> yep. That was something I promised myself I would never do. <laughs> and I had to do it because of bucket, because of bucket list fun stuff. Yeah, that, that's been one of my favorites because uh, this place is very well known for St. Mary's in, in general, very well known for their Bud Light. <clears throat> Yep, and their ten ounce cans and and all that stuff. So, that that makes me so happy that you you had to buckle down <laughs> on that and were like, all right, I guess I guess two and a half weeks. It was on tap for two and a half weeks. You took it off already? Of course. <laughs> it was a check in the box. There you go. And it's funny. I called the guy. He had not been there in the first first week, week and a half. He had oh, not no. been there. And I called him and I'm like, hey, your bucket list item. Is ready. Is the Bud Light is on yeah. tap. So you better come by and have at least one beer before I take it off the tap. That's so I made so sure funny. he came by so that funny. Thursday before we took it off tap. <laughs> because I was like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, I think uh, my next one is uh, I'm going to send somebody to one of the musicals. Very that's, cool. I think that's that was supposed to be happen in February, but we just could not get things in place. In sure. Time. And when it comes to like work... I, I'm going to spend 2019 very busy with Rexel. So my goal is by the end of 2019, early 2020, I want to have a good control over running both these businesses, the tap house and the Rexel. And I would like to open up a tap house with a restaurant up north, like in the D.C., Northern Virginia area. So to 2020, hopefully, I will be able to do that. That's fantastic. Yep. Cool. Because, and the reason why I want to do that is a lot of people that uh, a lot of people that have been to the restaurant have always said to me in the past that, oh, the reason why you guys are successful is because you're the only game in town, like you're the only Indian restaurant in town. And mm. it's one of those things that rubs me the that's wrong way. It's kind of a backhanded compliment, exactly. isn't it? And yeah. it rubs me the wrong way, right? So that's why I want to open up a restaurant 
in a bigger city and quote unquote hang out with the big dogs yeah who've been there for a very long time and then see myself whether i can be successful in an environment like that or not that's my that's my that's my that's something that i'm itching to do so bad do you see yourself opening up a chain at all uh i would like to yes yeah i would like to yes very cool i think that's it man yeah yeah i think we covered everything so i, th- I think we're good that's awesome yeah how do you feel? I love it. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Fantastic. All right. Cool. I think we're...